darkness, the absence of light. We lived in the light once, briefly, but we push it away. Blinded by our desires, we didn't realize what we were doing. But in the end, we brought this darkness upon ourselves. It became our home. You live in the dark for so long, it becomes normal. You find yourself wondering if there ever really was a light to begin with. But as we struggled to make the best of our situation, deep down, somehow we knew. We knew we were not meant to live in the dark. We were meant for more. And then one day, Something unexpected happened. We woke up to a strange glow on the horizon, almost as if there was a great light approaching. We didn't know we could trust it. Is this even real? But it was real. The sun had returned.
Just. 
Father, today we gather to celebrate the light of the world. We get to sing these songs to you, these familiar carols. And if we're not careful, we we can fall into tradition, we can fall into religion, and and forget that, that when we sing these songs to you, we're singing songs of praise and adoration. God, we gather today because we recognize that in the midst of a dark world, we have hope and we can have life. And that life comes in the form of light, a little baby born in a manger for us. God, we thank you for that. We thank you for sending your son for us. God, be with us as we continue on this morning and and we see expressions of gifts and talents. God, as we see creative ways to celebrate who your son is to us, the hope of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas to you. And why don't we take just a moment, actually, before I let you do that, uh, you should have uh, the card either in your bulletin or in the seat backs in front of you. And, uh, and that's how we communicate. If you're visiting with us, we want to say welcome. Thanks for being here today. And if you want more information, that's how you get more information. Fill that card out. For the rest of us, we will still be praying for you. Even between Christmas and New Year's, we will be praying for you. So put your requests on there. And then after the message, we'll receive our offering and, and the basket will go by and you can drop your card in there. Now, why don't you take a moment, say Merry Christmas to somebody, and we'll get after the rest of the service.
Let me turn myself on. Wasn't that great from Ali? Ali, thank you for, for sharing that with us. It's interesting, this, uh, this idea of the difference between light and darkness. Uh, how many of you have ever been afraid of the dark? We, probably have, we have our kids in here with us today. probably have some kids who are afraid of the dark. But if we're being honest, we've got some adults in the room who may or may not have a fear of the dark. But what is it? Why? Why, why are we afraid of the dark? What, what is it about darkness that, uh, that wants us to keep the door cracked when we go to bed at night or to keep a hall light on or to have a nightlight in the room? Like, What, what is it about darkness that, that brings fear or anxiousness to us uh, to the point at which we have to have some sort of light? Uh, if you look up the fear of darkness, what you'll find is that scientists know that the dark leaves us vulnerable. It leaves us exposed. It, it leaves us in a place to where we're unable to spot any threats that might be lurking nearby. And for much of human history, dark meant danger. And so the, the, the understanding and the fearing of it meant taking precautions to actually stay safe. I'm sure there are many of you who have stories about darkness or being lost in the midst of darkness. Uh, when, I was a, when I was a kid, I was afraid of the dark. Uh, don't judge me. Uh, but I, I had this fear of the dark. I would always have to have the hall light on. And my mom had this hanging plant. I don't know. It, it was, to be honest, it was kind of ugly. But it was this, this hanging plant that was down the hallway, and I could see it from my bedroom. And no kidding, when the lights were off, and there was a shadow that was cast on this. It looked like a, um, a dreadlocked, reggae, evil person is what it looked like to me. And so as soon as you flip the light on, I knew it was a plant. I knew it was there. And yet there was something in the darkness that fear was able to creep in and change what I knew it to be to be something else. We have stories, right? We have stories of being in the midst of darkness. I'll, I'll share another one with you. I, uh, I, was, I found myself in the middle of the Amazon River. And I was with my friend Juan Allen. Uh, Pastor Paul was there. Amon Worthman was there. And, uh, and for some reason, my friend Juan Allen decided that uh, we all should go on a crocodile hunt. Like the, the things that kill you, we should go and find them. And, and so we get into this, I'm not kidding you, like I know pastors are known to exaggerate for the sake of effect or dramatic effect, but I'm not exaggerating. We're in a little wooden canoe, and uh, Amon was sitting up there, Paul was sitting here, Juan Allen sitting here, and I'm in the back of the boat watching this whole thing go down, and we've got a guide. And the only light that we had was this guy named Romo, right? And that's not his real name. It was just that he was wearing a Romo jersey. And he had a headlamp on, and that was the light in our darkness. And so here we are. We're, we're, we're in this canoe, and we're going through the jungle, literally trees hanging. Everything you've seen in the movies about the Amazon is, is making a noise. And, and, it's, and the trees are coming down. And, and I, in that moment, realized this is how I'm going to die. <laughs> this is it. Because the, the water for, uh, came, came about this far from the top of the boat, and I knew that if any of us just moved the wrong way, it was over. And all of a sudden, as we're going through the jungle, Romo turns off his light. 
And I'm like, why, why are you doing this? Why would you turn off your light? It's the only light we have. And he turns off his light. And not only does he turn off his light, and now we're in pitch black darkness, he starts calling crocodiles. I don't even, where do you learn how to call a crocodile? But he's calling them, drawing them near to us in the midst of our darkness. It was scary. And I knew that, that this is how things could end for me. And I had no way to let my wife know how much I loved her. It was just going to be over. Darkness is a scary thing. You walk into a, a, a room and you can't find the light switch. Darkness can create pain, right? Because you don't see the coffee table and you hit your knee on it or you stub your toe on something. And, and so it, it, darkness can, can create pain into your life. It, it, it can cause injury. But what happens is, is over time, we kind of grow out of this, I'm afraid of the dark stage, and we, we actually begin to convince ourselves that everything in the world is now okay, and I don't have to be afraid of darkness anymore. That basically, the world is much better than it ever has been throughout history, and, and perhaps if we just tried to be a little bit better then the world would be a good place and there would be no more darkness. And that works until a spouse decides to leave or you have the death of a loved one or a friend talks behind your back or you find out that a child is, has an addiction or you wake up one day and you find out that you realize that you have an addiction. You begin to look at your past regrets and all of a sudden, it's in those moments that you realize that darkness still exists. The only thing worse than darkness, though, is being alone in darkness. There's a reason why prisoners are put in the hole. And I don't even know if that happens anymore. I just have this picture of Andy Dufresne from the Shawshank Redemption being thrown into the hole. He's alone. It's dark. And darkness and loneliness has the strength to break anybody. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a Lutheran pastor who was arrested during World War II because of his resistance against Hitler. A lot of church leaders in that time actually gave in to Hitler and went along with him, but Bonhoeffer stood strong with a few others. He wrote in a letter dated November 21st, 1943, he wrote this. He says, life in a prison cell may well be compared to Advent. Isn't that interesting? We're in this Advent season. He says, one waits, one hopes, one does this or that or other things that are really of no consequence, but no matter what, the door is shut and can only be opened from the other side. Life in the midst of a dark prison cell. I think that's the interesting way to look at our humanity. Right, that... Before Jesus came to this earth, there was only just, imagine for a moment the prison cell door and just at the bottom of the door, there's just a little bit of light, just a sliver of light that comes through. People living in darkness without the possibility of escape, without hope for something else. But then one day, on the first Christmas day, the door is opened it's open from the outside, and Jesus comes into the cell. John says it like this, that the word became flesh and had his dwelling among us. 
that Jesus came into the cell with those inside in the midst of their darkness, but he tells them that there's hope, that there's something else besides this cell that they're living in. He tells them it will be infinitely better than anything they'd have experienced up to that point. Some of the people listen, they trusted him, but there were others that refused to leave. They refused to leave because their eyes had become accustomed to the dark. They had found themselves actually becoming comfortable with the uncomfortable. See, the pain that they knew was at least better than what they didn't know. They were used to the darkness. Jacob, go ahead and turn the lights off. But there's something... about light. There's also something about fire. I like fire. I know that probably disturbs some of you. Children, fire is dangerous. But I was the kid that always, before parties at our house, would get up and, and I was the candle lighter. I was the, the kid that ran around, got to light all the candles, because it gave me an opportunity to safely play with matches. There's something about light. Why do we put up Christmas lights? Most of us probably already know the answer to this, but why do we light candles at Christmas time? Why do we, why do we risk our life and our limb? potentially a broken elbow falling off the house in order to get lights onto our homes. Why do we do this? This, this, is a, this candle is a gift from, from this church from about four years ago. We burn this candle somewhat regularly for four years. It's a big candle. This is one of our favorite things that we have in our house. It sits in our hallway and during Christmas time especially, all the lights will be off in our hallway. And out of this comes this warm, soft glow. Jacob, you can turn the lights on. So why do we light candles, especially at Christmas time? Why do we put lights on our Christmas tree? I'm sure most of you know this, but the custom goes back to when Christmas trees were actually decorated with candles, right? In, in, modern, in early modern Germany, they would bring into their homes these trees and they would put candles on them, which also led to a lot of home fires, right? Whoever thought that that was a good idea needed to have his head checked. But it wasn't until 1880 that the first Christmas strand was invented by Thomas Edison, in 1923, President Calvin Coolidge lit the national Christmas tree with 3,000 electrical lights. And now, everywhere you go, there are Christmas trees adorned with lights, homes and buildings and office spaces with lights all over them. And the question is, why? Why do we do that but to symbolize and to celebrate Christ being the light of the world. See, God's view of the Christmas journey in John's gospel, in verse four and five, it, it says this in chapter one, it, it, in him was life, 
And that life was the light of men, and that, that light shines in darkness, and darkness can't even comprehend it. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says himself, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. See, we, we light up candles and, and, and we put up lights because we know inherently there's something in us that is not okay with the darkness. There's something in us of a celebration. There's something in us that wants to say there is more to this life than darkness. Of all of the gospel accounts of the, the birth of Jesus, John is the most personal. In John chapter 1, verse 9, he says, The true light that gives light to everyone is coming into the world. John says that in the midst of darkness, there is hope, there is life, and that life is the light of men. I want to read to you a, a, a biblical account of, of the angels coming to the shepherds. But instead of reading it in, in the translation that we would normally use, I thought since we have kids in the room uh, and adults, uh, is that we could read it from a, a different translation. It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. It says on the cover of this that it's for ages four plus, so I think we are going to cover everybody in here, right? It tells this special story of how the light of the world comes into our reality. It says that same night, in amongst the other stars, suddenly a bright new star appeared. Of all the stars in the dark vaulted heavens, this one shone clearer. It blazed in the night and made the other stars look pale beside it. God put it there when his baby son was born to be like a spotlight shining on him, lighting up the darkness, showing people the way to him. You see, God was, God was like a new daddy. He couldn't keep the good news to himself. He'd been waiting all these long years for this moment, and now he wanted to tell everyone. And so he pulled out all the stops. He'd sent an angel to tell Mary the good news. He put a special star in the sky to show where his boy was. And now he was going to send a big choir of angels to sing his happy song to the world. He's here. He's come. Go and see him, my little boy. Now, where would you send your splendid choir? To a big concert hall, maybe, or, or a palace, perhaps? God sent his to a little hillside outside a little town, in the middle of the night. He sent all those angels to sing for a raggedy old bunch of shepherds watching their sheep outside of Bethlehem. In those days, if you remember, people used to laugh at shepherds and say they were smelly and call them by other rude names, which I can't possibly mention here. You see, people thought shepherds were nobodies, just scruffy old riffraff. But God must have thought the shepherds were very important indeed because they were the ones that he chose to tell the good news to first. So that night, some shepherds were out in the open fields warming themselves by a campfire when suddenly the sheep started darting away. They were frightened by something. The olive trees rustled. And what was that? A wing beat. They turned around and standing in front of them was a big warrior of light. Blazing in the darkness. Don't be afraid of me, the bright shining man said. I haven't come to hurt you. I've come to bring you happy news for everyone, everywhere. 
Today in David's town in Bethlehem, God's son has been born. You can go and see him. He's sleeping in a manger. And behind the angel, they saw this strange glowing cloud. Except it wasn't a cloud, it was angels. Troops and troops of angels armed with light. And they were singing a beautiful song. Glory to God. To God be the fame and honor and all of the hoorays. Then as quickly as they appeared, the angels left. The shepherds quickly stamped out their fire, left their sheep, raced down the grassy hill, through the gates of Bethlehem, down the narrow cobble streets, through a courtyard, down some steps, 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 past an inn, round a corner, through a hedge, until at last they reached a tumble-down stable. They caught their breath. They quickly tiptoed inside. And they knelt on the dirt floor. See, they had heard about this promised child, and now he was here, heaven's son. The maker of the stars, a a baby sleeping in his mother's arm. This baby would be like that bright star that's shining in the sky at night. A light to light up the whole world, chasing away darkness. Helping people to see And it didn't matter how dark the night got, the brighter the star would shine. Jesus is the light of the world. And all it takes is a glimmer, a glimpse of the light of Jesus to bring hope and life to our world. I'll end with a story of an artist who They just finished painting this bleak winter scene, right? It it depicted a storm sweeping across the countryside. The trees in the picture were barren. There were storm clouds that loomed above. There was frost and hints of snow on the ground. And over in the corner of the the painting, he he had painted this cabin, which looked as dead and barren as the landscape. But all of a sudden, with just a simple stroke of the brush, he touched one of the cabin's windows with gold paint. And all of a sudden, in that moment, the picture was transformed into a picture of warmth. An invitation to to come in from the cold. The, The picture that once seemed gloomy and dead became now a picture of gladness and life. At just the hint of light, hope enters. Could we this Christmas season open our hearts to the light of Jesus? To to experience the fullness of the life that brings comfort and joy and peace into our homes. There are some who maybe have found themselves slipping back into the darkness. And Jesus would say today, come back. Come back into the light. He's inviting you in from the cold. John 12, 46 says, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me will not live in darkness. Jesus is the light of the world, the true light of Christmas. 
So when you go home tonight and you turn on your lights and you light up your Christmas tree, maybe even light some candles, could we remember for a moment that this isn't about family and presents and all of the things that have become customary with this time? But could remember, could we remember that when we light our candles and we light up our trees and we turn on the lights on our house, that we do it to celebrate hope and light. And that light is the light of men. Let's pray. Father, my prayer for all of us in this room is that we would step into what your word talks about, your wonderful light. God, the beauty of that story, of the Christmas story that's found in Luke, is that that verse that says that you have come for everyone, everywhere. That no matter what our past holds, no matter what our current situation may be, you came to bring life. You are the light of Christmas. You are the light of the world. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. And we thank you for sending your son in a manger to be hope for the world. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite the ushers to come and... I'm going to pray for the offering. If you filled out your card, you can drop it in the basket as it goes by. And I'm going to pray for the offering, and then I'm going to give you some instructions as to how we're going to close out our service today. Uh, and I'm also going to give you some really, really good news uh, that, that I, I hope we all get to celebrate. But let me pray for the offering. Father, we thank you that in these moments that really are steeped in tradition and religion and all of those things that that are really, really amazing parts of who, who we get to celebrate and, and how we get to celebrate. And even in the midst of that, we, we recognize that everything that we have, including hope, comes from you. And so, Lord, today as we receive our tithes and offerings, we do so recognizing that you are such a generous God and that all of what we have belongs to you. And so we give, not out of compulsion or religion or guilt, but we give freely and joyfully and saying, God, let you have all the glory in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, go ahead. And as the ushers are, are passing the baskets, I wanted to give you an update on uh, our Make a Difference offering. So a couple weeks ago, we received an offering, and if you're visiting with us, every year at, around the holidays, right after Thanksgiving, we... Uh, promote one of the partnership ministries that we have. And this year, we focused our time and energy on Lavish. Lavish is a ministry here in San Antonio that, uh, that works with women who are in the industry. And so they help get them out and transition. They're, one of the next steps for Lavish Ministries is to move them uh, or, or to, to acquire a transitional housing to move their ladies into that housing. Uh, that housing. And so we felt like this year we wanted, we knew that we weren't going to be able to buy them a house necessarily, but we did believe that we could plant a seed for God to continue to move and work for Lavish Ministries. And so 
this year, our Make a Difference offering, because of your generosity, uh, we raised just over $13,000. So that we can celebrate. I can't tell you how excited they are, by the way. They just found out. And uh, again, I would just say this is about how can we as a church make a difference in this world. And I just want to say as, as the lead pastor of this church, I can't tell you how proud I am of our church and how grateful I am to you for your generosity. And, and so thank you for that. Well, if you have your candles, the ushers are, are finishing up. If you have your candles, go ahead and, and pull those out. Kids, if you've got your glow sticks, you're going to pull those out and wave them like you just don't care. And, um, and we're going to close, as we always do traditionally, we close our, our Christmas services with O Holy Night. Uh, and I'll, I'll begin the, the lighting of the candles for you. But I, I want us this year, it maybe more so than any other year, because if we're not careful, this right here can also become tradition. This can be the thing, oh, this is what we do. This is when we do it. But can I just remind you that because we're lighting candles, this is a representation of hope in your life. This is a representation of what God has done in your life this year. And no matter what circumstance, no matter what darkness you may feel like you are in, God's light brings hope and life to us. Can we stand and, and sing together?
Well, before we extinguish our candles, let me pray for us as we go into uh, this new year, as we go into the Christmas season. And then uh, as we all agree and say amen together, can we blow out our candles? Father, we, we look at this light that shines before us, and it serves and practices as a reminder to us this Christmas season of the light of the world, of the light that shines in the midst of darkness, so much so that the darkness can never overcome it. God, we look at it as a reminder of the hope that you bring to each and every person that's here today. And God, we love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you everybody for being here. Merry Christmas to you. Uh, Some have asked, are we going to never have a Christmas Eve service again? I just want to put you at ease. We will have Christmas Eve services again next year. This year we decided not to because of the back-to-back nature of it. Uh, And on behalf of all of the LifeHouse staff, we want to say Merry Christmas and thank you for being here. We'll see you, everybody, next week right here, same time, same place. We'll see you then. snow in a one-horse open sleigh over the fields we go